see the time. Wittenberg, oh, it's a long way. He's out of there. 45, 50, 45. There goes Davis. Oh, my God. Davis is going to run it all the way back. Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. Hello and welcome to the Sports Mash podcast. I'm Aiden Laurie, and we are only a few days away from the debut of the AAF, the Alliance of American Football. But unfortunately, Matt, we have to get through the nitty gritty. There was a game played on Sunday, and that game was the Super Bowl. And unfortunately, I didn't think there was any football being played. So, Matt, I'm going to give you the first question. Did you see any football being played on Super Bowl Sunday? I'm going to tell you what I saw. I saw a punting contest tonight between Ryan Allen and Johnny Hacker. And I think Johnny Hacker won that by far with a whopping 65-yard punt. Yeah, an absolute beauty by Hacker. But we're going to want to get through this Super Bowl quick. So let's just go straight up to what we got right, what we got wrong. First off, Julian Edelman. He balled out on Sunday. Super Bowl MVP, the Rams were able to contain every single aspect of the Patriots offense. They were able to stop James White. Uh, They were able to stop Chris Hogan. But the one man they could not contain was Julian Edelman. So that's where we were right. And we also, me and Matt, predicted that the Patriots would beat the spread, but not just beat the spread, but by more than a touchdown, which we got right as well. It wasn't exactly the the game we all predicted. We all predicted that it would be a very high-scoring game. And I, I told you guys, I said, take the over. I said, bet all your money on the over because this is going to be one of the highest scoring Super Bowls of all time. Unfortunately, I was wrong. Now, Matt, bring us in. Oh, I forgot. Also, where we got right. We said tails would win. We said tails never fails. And the coin toss, what do you know? It landed on tails. So now, Matt, I want you to bring us into where we were wrong. Well, unfortunately... In addition to the over and telling you guys to bet your mortgage on the over, again, our sincerest apologies. We got Aaron Donald and Adamican Sue, and the Rams defensive line did not even poke the Patriots offensive line, and specifically Aaron Donald. You know, he won defensive player of the year. When you win defensive player of the year, you're expected to dominate every single game that you play in. I don't care if your team wins or loses, but your stat sheet better show that you dominated that offensive line or that receiver, if you remember the secondary. But feel that it just wasn't his night. And you could see the perfect images of Donald for when Brandon Cooks had that ball broken up. And you see Donald covering his face with a towel in anguish. I don't think that was all Brandon Cooks. I think that was because he was having a crappy game and he knew that he would have to step up to fix it. It just couldn't come through. Yeah, zero sacks, three tackles. That is not an Aaron Donald stat line that Rams fans wanted to see on Sunday. Now, Jared Goff didn't show up, and most importantly, his O-line didn't show up. If Jared Goff was going to win this game, he needed a great O-line. And you could see that the Patriots, who aren't known for being a great defense, they got up in in, in Jared Goff and they made him uncomfortable. So I, I wouldn't bring all the blame on Jared Goff like most fans are doing. But again, a huge reason the Patriots won was because c- they, they got through that O-line. 
And anyways, now that we, I, I just wanted to get straight past the Super Bowl because it was an ugly, ugly game, and there really wasn't much to talk about. So Matt, football does not end in February. We have the Alliance of American Football. Now this is going to be an eight-team football league, which. It could be a feeder league. It could be a competitor to the NFL, but it's mostly to give players who have been in the NFL or didn't, you know, make it to the NFL to give them a a second shot and maybe get some scout, some NFL scout eyes on them. So it's a new league. A lot of names are attached to it. Troy Palamalu, Justin Tuck, Heinz Ward. So these are names that you're going to want overseeing a league. There's a few changes uh, from the Alliance in the NFL. But they're big ones. So a new change is the kickoffs. Now, Matt, I want you to talk about this one. Kickoffs are are going to be completely eliminated. There's there's going to be no kickoffs. They're going to give the team the ball at the 25. And then on onside kicks, it's a a fourth down and 10 conversion. Instead of an onside kick, they're going to make the teams just play normal down, a normal fourth uh, and 10. So, Matt, how do you think this is going to affect the game going forward? I think in terms of the actual kickoff, when you kick it deep, it's going to have almost no effect. We see in the NFL that most kicks go for touchbacks, and the team gets it at the 25 anyways. I do think that it eliminates the the artistry of the kickoff returner for guys like Deion Sanders, Devin Hester, and now with Tariq Cohn, it eliminates that artistry. But I think that considering the AAF is a fresh league, I don't think many jobs are being affected because of it. And I think that in terms of the onside kick, that's interesting. I feel like it actually benefits the kicking kicking team, if you would say. Because I think it's a lot easier to convert fourth and ten if you have the offense than to try and get a kick to... Oh yeah. And rattle around and yeah. You, you see in the NFL onside kicks are, are very, very rarely made. So again, that's a, a huge difference from the NFL and the AAF. Also we have shorter game time. So the new game, the AAF games are going to be two and a half hours and they're going to be able to do this because of a, a shorter play clock and they're going to have a 60% reduction time in commercials. So that is great news for every football fan. Also, another difference between the AAF and NFL, regional drafts. The AAF is going to feature regional-style draft in order to allow, I guess, maybe give fans the opportunity to have that uh, hometown hero, but also change things up a bit. So a way this regional draft would work is you would take an example. There's a team, the Arizona Hotshots. So, for example, the Arizona Hotshots would be able to draft players from uh, Arizona State or U of A, or if you're going to, I guess we'll go down south. There's a team called the Atlanta Legends. They'll be able to draft players from Clemson, Alabama. So regional draft, I I like it. I mean, it wouldn't be fair for the NFL, but Matt, what are your thoughts on this? I like the regional draft because it gives teams – if you look at Auburn and Alabama, those teams have so many players with such exceptional talent, and they just don't get on the radar because those schools are so good at college football. I think with a regional draft, it gives teams like the Birmingham Iron a chance to sort of pull that second-level talent out of those powerhouse universities, and it gives 
more players a chance to play and get noticed. I feel like if you do a national draft, there are going to be areas of the country that are just dominated and some areas that aren't. Yeah, and before we go on to some other differences between the NFL and AAF, let's go through the team names. So there are eight teams, the Arizona Hotshots, the San Antonio Commanders, San Diego Fleet, Atlanta Legends, Salt Lake City Stallions, Memphis Express, Birmingham Iron, and the Orlando Apollos. And so this is going to be a 10-week, 40-game regular season. So not as much as the NFL, not as much as college, but, you know, we're getting football in the spring, so who cares? But, again, 10-week, 40 games, there's going to be two conferences, East and West, and the top two teams from each conference will be the teams in the playoffs and then fighting for the championship. Again, the last uh, major difference between the AAF and the NFL is unique player bonuses. So players are going to receive a standard base salary like uh, the NFL, but there are bonuses that can be earned through different categories. Examples, if your team wins a game, all the players get a payday. If you're a receiver and you get a certain stat line, uh, you get more money. And this is a weird one, but fan engagement, and we don't know how this is going to be be judged. Will it be ticket sales? Will it be social media following? But I don't know. This is a a new way of football. I guess that's just what the league's trying to be. Yeah, I think that I like the unique player bonuses because I think it gives players more of an incentive to perform. Obviously, the salaries are not going to be as high as the NFL. So there, there are two goals here. One's to make money as a, for a job. The other one is to try and get noticed and to try and make the big bucks in the NFL. So I think this is a very strategic way by the top management to give players the best of both worlds. Yeah, what are some uh, what are some statistical milestones you like to see? So, example, like break a thousand receiving yards in a season, or I would like to maybe see a player get a payday for a hundred yards rushing. So, what are some statistical milestones you'd like to see? Well, you have your rushing milestones: a hundred yards, two hundred yards in a game. You have same with receiving, quarterback, three hundred to four hundred yards passing. Kicking, I think kickers, quite frankly, they're the ones who really need the bonus. Just like fantasy football, you know, you get the bonus point for a 40, for a 40 to 49 yarder, and you get two bonus points for 50 and up. I feel like kickers need that incentive because they're the most performance-based career. You know, one wide receiver for 50 yards in a game, but another one goes for 300. If the receiver went for 50 yards, doesn't matter anymore. You only have one kicker. Yeah, and you were talking about that fantasy aspect. This league is also going to be, at least the owner said, there's going to be a huge app in development with fantasy and and gambling and all these other things. But we're a couple of days away from the actual start of the league, and that is yet to come out. In the fantasy aspect, I don't know if the AAF is going to be running the whole show, or maybe we'll see ESPN or, or Yahoo, people who have uh, fantasy leagues in, in other websites try to pick this thing up. So fantasy is supposed to be, and gambling is supposed to be a huge, uh, you know, they're supposed to work hand in hand, but we have yet to see the app and we're only a few days away from the beginning of, of the league, which is very interesting. Now, Matt, I'm going to come out right now as 
an Arizona Hotshots fan. I am currently attending ASU, and my dorm is literally right next to Sun Devil Stadium where the Hotshots are going to play. Now, I'm bringing this one on to you, Matt. Yeah, you were, uh, I was asking you about this, and you were leaning towards Memphis, but I've been trying to convince you to be a Hotshots fan with me. So it, it's clutch time, man. Who are you going to be rooting for in the first ever Alliance of American football season? Well, I always hate to be the second guy on the bandwagon, but I got to go with the Arizona Hotshots. Yeah. I looked over the roster. They do have rights to the state of Illinois and all those schools. I think that a lot of their defense is made up of former Bears, which I which I really like. But I still have a soft spot for the Memphis Express, who are led by Mike Singletary. I really... Have to, you got to have respect for the 46. Yeah, I was, uh, they were my second team too. I think the Memphis Express, I mean, obviously we can't show you the jerseys on the podcast, but I think the Memphis Express had some of the coolest jerseys. They, it was like a, a blue, white, and red Americana style jersey. The hot shots are, are green and yellow, which you wouldn't think those two colors work well together because of the Packers and they have very very ugly jerseys because the Packers are just a terrible terrible team and organization but the Arizona Hotshots managed to blend these colors in a really cool new and innovative way so jerseys are very cool a lot of people have been hating on the jerseys the Atlanta Legends they have black and purple and gold which again colors you wouldn't think work well together but I think they I, I like it. I like it. I think the new and innovative jerseys are going to be a staple of the league. Now, Matt, you are the sports almanac. So we're going to be looking at each team and we're going to be giving three players that we think are going to have the biggest impact. So Arizona Hotshots, start me off, Matt. Give me three game-changing players. Well, with the hometown Hotshots, you got to start under center. They have Trevor Knight at quarterback, and some of you guys might have heard of him because he was a quarterback at Texas A&M, and while he was at Oklahoma, he did one thing that only a handful of college QBs were able to do, and that is beat Nick Saban's Crimson Tide in the postseason. Which is impossible. <laughs> that, that's impossible. He is an exceptional quarterback. He had a stint with the Arizona Cardinals, so he's not, he's not going far, and I think he'll be a really good addition to the Arizona Hotshots. And now let's go to the other side of the ball. Defensive tackle Will Sutton. He'll be returning to his former home field at Sun Devil Stadium as he is a graduate of Arizona State University. He had a lot of promise coming out of college, but didn't really fit in with the Chicago Bears system in the NFL. And last but not least, best name by far in the AAF, Chunky Clemens, defensive lineman out of the University of Illinois. He played on several NFL practice squads, but in college, he played with starting defensive end for the Jacksonville Jaguars in Saxonville, Dewan Smoot. And that defense, even though the team wasn't that good, that defense was by far one of the best I've ever seen. And Chunky was a staple. Everyone loved him down in Champaign. I love the name, man, Chunky. Everyone, everyone loved him down in Champaign. It's a likable guy. And I think he'll do very well both on and off the field for the hot shots. You talk about fan engagement. I see Chunky. Oh, that's another door. thing. You're going to want some some crazy players who can get the fans going. Um, so I guess that's another aspect that I guess most football fans won't be looking at. But now they can look at it because of the AAF. Next team, the 
San Diego Fleet. And unfortunately, guys, I'm, I'm going to apologize right now to any San Diego Fleet fan. But, I mean, Mike Martz is their coach, but there's nothing notable about that team. Everyone are our unknown players. So apologies to the San Diego Fleet fans. It looks like your team's going to be trash. But if I were a Fleet fan and I was I was leaning towards Fleet too, I'd be excited about having no-name players on my team because you don't know what you're going to get. These guys could all be stars. Or, you know, they could crash and burn. But the San Diego Fleet fans, you guys get ready to be surprised because, I mean, this is what the league's all about. It's about taking no-name players, and giving them some significance. So San Diego Fleet fans, be surprised. You have no notable players, but you have a great coach, Mike Martz, uh, formal Chicago Bears OC. So anyways, Matt, bring us to our next team, the San Antonio Commanders. Well, the San Antonio Commanders are coached by former Nebraska coach Mike Riley. He replaced the legendary Bo Pelini. And under center, he'll be playing backup, at least to start the year, is quarterback Marquise Williams. People may know him around Chicago because he was the predecessor to Mitch Trubisky at UNC. So Mitch the that, GOAT Trubisky. Yes, true. Greatest Mitch, of all time. People talk yes. about Tom Brady being the GOAT. Mitch Trubisky is a real GOAT. Yeah, and I feel that Marquise, Marquise Williams at least contributed the G and the O to that GOAT. <laughs> I think he was an awesome quarterback in college, a mobile quarterback, so I definitely think he did help with Trubisky's ability to run the football and extend plays. And let's see if he can do the same for the commanders. And who will he be handing the ball off to? Running back David Cobb out of the University of Minnesota. He had a promising career outlook, but wound up being bounced around the NFL as a third down back and played preseason games, but then never wound up making it and hopefully he'll be able to revive his career with the commanders and now let's go let's go down to a team i'm actually gonna name four guys or yeah four guys on this team because i feel that these are all four guys who are worth mentioning on the atlanta legends first off most importantly offensive coordinator and atlanta falcons and philadelphia eagles legend michael vick michael vick Maybe the most notable uh, person that's involved with the AAF. Yeah, Michael Vick, he was a legend in Atlanta. No pun intended or no play on the team's name. But I think that he'll be able to be a great help to young quarterback Aaron Murray. He's staying home as well. He went to school at the University of Georgia, and he was drafted by the Chiefs. He was a big standout at Georgia, but he got caught up in the backup carousel in the NFL. And I feel like he's found at least a way to get back in and maybe get a starting role. He was a very promising quarterback coming out of the University of Georgia and just fell behind Alex Smith and now Patrick Mahomes. And backing him up, this guy's notable because he, you know, he played, he's a preseason quarterback in the NFL. He's been bounced around. But his dad, you might know him from CBS, Phil Sims. That's right. We're talking about his son, Matt Sims. So he'll be helping out at the quarterback position with Aaron Murray. And then these next two guys I'm going to talk about as a duo, two Big Ten running backs. One played quarterback at the University of Michigan in Denard Robinson. He converted to running back on the Jacksonville Jaguars. He was a pretty solid back there, and he was really good his rookie year, but then sort of fell over as the Jaguars started bringing in more backs like TJ Yeldon, Chris Ivory, and his playing time really got limited. 
the other side of that duo is running back Akram Wadley out of Iowa. He ran for 1,109 yards and 10 touchdowns his senior year. So definitely a very impressive showing from Wadley in that C.J. Beathard pass-first offense of the Iowa Hawkeyes. Up next, we got the Salt Lake City Stallions. And we're going to mention another running back duo. First off, we got Matt Asiata. Some of you guys might have heard of him because he was AP's backup in Minnesota when he was out because of injury and suspension. And he really helped carry the load. 1,259 yards and 18 TDs, over 361 rushes. That's around three and a half yards of carry. Not bad if you're the backup to one of the best running backs of all time. Excuse me, in the NFL. Joining him in that backfield is going to be Brandon Oliver. He played on the then San Diego Chargers. He was mainly a third down back in San Diego's offense, but then that he got caught in the shuffle of Danny Woodhead and then Melvin Gordon. 773 yards over three years. Not a really good stat line for an all-time back, but for a third down back, not bad. Up next, we have the Memphis Express. And you know what? Let's start off with their coach. Or one of the many centerpieces of the 46 defense, Mike Singletary. So you can definitely expect a tenacious defense. A great defense. From the Memphis Express. From one of the greatest Chicago Bears of all time. Every every time there's a Chicago Bears player or coach or whoever in the mix, again, if you haven't been keeping up with the show, me and Matt are huge Chicago Bears fans. So anytime there's a, a, a Bears player in the mix, we got we to gotta give him a shout-out. Anyways, Matt, continue. And on his unfamiliar side of the ball, he has a QB duo in Christian Hackenberg and Zach Mettenberger. Hackenberg out of Penn State. You know, his career might have been elevated because, you know, he did have the offensive rookie of the year in the NFL running his offense with him in Saquon Barkley. So that sort of made Hackenberg's job a little easier. He was on the Jets, then got traded to the Eagles, and now he's going to give it a shot in the AAF and try and get a starting job in the NFL. Joining him is going to be Zach Mettenberger. He was on LSU and then played with the Titans. He started a couple games, but then... You know, Heisman Trophy winner from Oregon, Marcus Mariota, came around and sort of took that job away from him. So an unfortunate situation for Mettenberger, but still a very good quarterback, and he'll be helping out Mike Singletary a lot on offense. And then they'll be handing the ball off to Zach Stacy. He was the feature back in St. Louis with Benny Cunningham and Trey Mason with the Rams, but injuries plagued his NFL career, so this could possibly be a comeback attempt. For Zach Stacy, and I'm certainly hoping that he'll be able to pull it off. He torched the Bears back when they used to play down in St. Louis in the Edward Jones Dome. Now, this team, this next team, has got to be one of the most exciting teams because they're the Birmingham Iron. That means they have draft rights to Alabama, Auburn, UAB, all those top powerhouse Alabama schools, and you know they're going to be a force to be reckoned with. And they got a lot of players, but I'm just going to name three here. Let's start with QB Blake Sims. He led Alabama to the one seed in the inaugural college football playoff after beating out former FSU backup Jake Coker for the job. But his college career came to an abrupt ending when the Crimson Tide were shocked by Cardell Jones and Ezekiel Elliott's Ohio State Buckeyes in the semis. Who will he be handing the ball off to? He'll be handing the ball off to Heisman finalist Trent Richardson. Richardson 
again, a Heisman finalist and a top three draft pick in the NFL, but he was drafted by the Cleveland Browns and his career did not wind up going well in the NFL. He had a stint in the CFL, and now I'm guessing he's trying to revive his career in the AAF. And last but not least, you don't know about this guy much as a quarter as a cornerback, but he was the man on one of the greatest college football plays in the history of the sport. And not to mention, it's in our intro. It is in our intro. You hear that announcer saying, screaming that Auburn's going to win the football game. Auburn's going to win the football game. That's right. We're talking about Chris Davis, cornerback out of Auburn University. Again, nothing much here, but a little play that might have changed college football forever. And Damn, uh, I didn't even know he was on the the roster. That that's a that's an interesting uh, pickup for the Birmingham Iron. Yeah, I don't think any teams will be trying any long field goals at the end of games if the score respects that. Respects the kick that six. Yeah, I'm guessing they don't want to be torched twice by Davis. And last but not least. We got the Orlando Apollos. We're going to start off with their man heading the sideline, legendary Heisman winner and legendary college coach Steve Spurrier. He coached at the University of Florida and most recently the University of South Carolina, a, one of the highly respected coaches in college football. I think minus the national championships, he's up there with guys like Saban and guys like now Lincoln Riley coming up, Dabo. Back in the day, he was that guy. Now, who's going to be his players? Wide receiver Jalen Marshall. He was on the OSU championship team that beat Alabama. He played for the Jets, didn't do much. And then cornerback Will Hill III. He did not do, he didn't really do much in the NFL. Only four picks and two fumble recover, recoveries. But he is, he does have an 80 plus rating in Madden. So something tells me that he, he's still around and he'll have a very good career with the Orlando Apollos, especially under Steve Spurrier. And now I think it's time to go to our final segment. I just have to give you a round of applause, Matt. Give Matt a round of applause. He just went through so many names. We have a script for this podcast. And all of a sudden I wake up in the morning and he's got all these players and all these, the, the statistics and whatnot. So you just went, I just had to get something in Matt. You just went through all those players. Good job. That's why I call him the sports almanac. He knows everything. But as Matt was about to say, we have predictions for the first week of AAF football. Now, game number one, San Diego versus San Antonio. Now, I'm going to go with my prediction first for this game. A lot of people say San Antonio. They had a pretty dominant preseason. But I got to take San Diego here. I feel that with Mike Martz and what he was able to do with Jay Cutler, turning a, you know, a good quarterback into a great quarterback for at least the 2010 season, I can't wait to see what he does with that San Diego offense. And I think it's going to be a coming out party for a lot of the San Diego players. Not a lot of them notable now, but I'm sure if they upset San Antonio, it will be notable. Now, Matt, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I'm going with the San Antonio Commanders, and I'm going for them based on one thing and one thing only, and that is their preseason performance. Versus the Atlanta Legends, the San Antonio Commanders had a 31-11 to victory. Now, that is the highest point margin out of uh, any teams that played over that first preseason week. 
37 to 11 that shows they have a powerful offense and they're able to shut down the Atlanta legends holding them to 11 points now next game Atlanta versus Orlando me and Matt are in total agreement with this one the Michael Vick and Aaron Murray combo are going to be amazing because of Michael Vick being the OC at Atlanta I wouldn't be surprised if Aaron Murray just balled out this season if you guys are are joining a fantasy league pick up Aaron Murray because he is going to be a beast and not only that but if the unexpected happens and the Aaron Murray experiment does not work they have a big 10 tandem at running back in Denard Robinson and Akram Wadley and that itself should be a well-oiled machine and drive the legends to victory this week now, Matt, next up, we have the Memphis Express versus the Birmingham Iron. I'm going to have to go with Memphis. Mike Singletary, being their head coach, being a defensive-minded guy, I think if it works well in Memphis and they have a solid defense, I really think they can shut down these great uh, Alabama, I mean, <laughs> Alabama, Birmingham Iron players you were talking about earlier. Now, I'm going to have to disagree with you. I love this Birmingham offense. And I think in his first game coaching in a while, I think it might be a little much. I hate, I absolutely hate this is like, you know, it's like gut-wrenching to go against Singletary, but. Oh, I, I, I can't I believe you. You're a fake fan. You're a fake Bears fan. I got to go. I got to go with my head here and say that Birmingham and Blake Sims will go and dethrone Singletary because keep in mind as great of a player as Singletary was and as great as a defensive mind as a def- as great of a defensive mind as Singletary was in Chicago and San Francisco it didn't really work out you gotta keep you gotta keep that in the back of your mind I'm not hating on the Bears I'm hating on the 49ers there because they took uh, Singletary's coaching career and pretty much ran it down to the ground I'm disappointed but- in you I can't believe you would go against your team, man. The Chicago Bears. Anyways, Salt Lake City. This is our game of the week. Salt Lake City versus Salt Lake City Stallions versus the Arizona Hotshots. Now, I'm going to have to go with my team, the Arizona Hotshots. They're going to take this win. I'm going to tell you why. You look at the box scores uh, and statistics from the Stallions game. They're very run heavy. And, and they have great running backs, but they can't seem to find their go-to receiver. Josh Woodrum, their starting quarterback, you look at the stats, and he's throwing the ball around, but his receivers aren't catching the ball, and he can't seem to find that Antonio Brown, uh, DeAndre Hopkins target. So I think the Arizona Hotshots are going to win big, not to mention that they also had the first pick six in their preseason game. So Arizona Hotshots, they have a great defense and they have a great offense being led by Trevor Knight. Now, Matt, please, you're a Hotshots fan, man. Are you going to stick with me or what? I can't disappoint you twice in the show. So I'm going to go with the hometown Hotshots. I think Trevor Knight's going to pick up and have a Sugar Bowl performance against the Salt Lake Stallions. I like when we're in agree- we're in we're in agreement. I don't like when you when you fray away from me and you try to go against your Chicago Bears. Anyways, Matt, before we head out, anything you want to end on? No, I think well, one thing I think this is just going to be a really fun season with the AAF. I feel like it's going to be a huge success, and I wouldn't be surprised if this if this would mer- if the AAF merges eventually with the NFL and becomes one of the first feeder. 
leagues in NFL history. I think that'll be a very successful market. And also, one more thing about the AAF is that it gives unknown and smaller markets a lot of recognition, which I think is great for the economy and great for football. So I think it's going to be a very fun season. Yeah, and they're doing the exact opposite of what the XFL is doing. And if you don't know what the XFL is, it's the exact same thing as the AAF. I mean, if you're a football, if you're a huge football fan, you know that the XFL was a league that was tried in the 2000s, but it didn't pan out. It was led by Vince McMahon, and they didn't really focus on football. They focused on the cheerleaders and, I guess, storylines. Make it. I'm not hating on wrestling. I love pro wrestling, but they tried to make a make storylines out of football and that just didn't work so af is going for smaller market territories while the xfl is going for big market territories again matt i wouldn't be surprised if the league became a feeder this could benefit both the nfl and aaf i'm really excited to see what names are going to come out of the aaf i think for for me personally i'm that's what i'm looking for i'm looking for that guy who blew his shot in college or blew his shot when he got drafted to the NFL. And now he's looking for redemption. Anyways, guys, we're going to be covering the AAF games either Sunday night, or we're going to have the episode out Monday. So join us for that. It's not going to be as long as this episode, uh, just because we're only going to be going over uh, a recap of the games, but Sunday night or Monday. So Look out for the podcast. Follow us on Anchor, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts. We're trying to get it on Apple Podcasts, but that's we're having a little difficulty with that. So stay tuned. We're also going to try to get YouTube set up. So stay tuned, guys, and we'll be back next week. Thanks. <laughs>